Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, and welcome to Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Agreda, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're chatting all things NWSL weekend recap. We've got a new number one. Portland Thorns get knocked off the pedestal for a brief moment? Question mark. We'll find out. Let's get into everything. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, as a podcast, follow, like, and download so that you never miss out on a single episode. I couldn't wait to get here with you this morning, Lisa. How are you? I am so good, Sandra. We had heck of games this weekend. Um, Six games across the board, all really good competition, really good football as well. Like, we're we're really starting to see all the pieces come together. I think we said that last week, week five yep. as well. But um, give these teams another week, and they're even more connected. They, they're on the same page with their game plan. Um, it's it's good. It's good. I got to take in a lot of the games this weekend. I got to travel a little bit um, all over the place. But it's always good to, to jump back in here on Monday morning with you and with everyone joining us live on YouTube. So, hey, everyone, good morning. Um, how are you, bud? How was your weekend? Good. Can't complain. Look, I just feel like here in Chicago, the the weather has finally aligned with the actual calendar. We've got some sunshine. We've got some nicer temperatures. Uh, it was the perfect it was the perfect setting to stay inside and watch a bunch of soccer. Uh, <laughs> but it was a it was a nice treat because I did get to take in a game in, in, in person as, uh, as well out here in Chicago as I took on Gotham of course, one of the many games that we're going to chat about in uh, in, in the recap here. But uh, it felt like a nice, uh, a nice, the stage has been set. I think it was a yeah. great way to sort of jump into this week for us here at CBS Sports uh, because we're always we're always on the move when it comes to all things soccer. In fact, uh, the UEFA Champions League is on Paramount Plus. It's down to the final four teams and two epic semifinal matchups. Kareem Benzema and defending champs Real Madrid take on Erling Haaland and 
tournament favorites, Manchester City, in a rematch of last year's thrilling semifinal. Plus, it is a clash of Italian Titans as Inter squares off against AC Milan in a battle for city bragging rights. Find out which club will reach the ultimate goal in scores greatest yearly competition. Stream every Champions League semifinal match exclusively on Paramount Plus. Try it free at ParamountPlus.com slash live sports. You got to pick. Let's start it. Let's let, let's let's the combo breaker. We're doing a recap, but uh, let's make a Champions League semifinal pick. Um, yeah, so the this is really exciting between Real Madrid and Man City. I think I'm gonna go City. Uh, there's just something about it that I really like and Inter. So uh, Inter and, and City final for me. What about you? Is that something you like, uh, <laughs> Erling? <laughs> when, yeah. it comes to, when it comes, I don't know. I feel like Real, Real Madrid is, is made for uh, made for Champions League. So I'll go. Uh, I'll go Kareem Benzema in Madrid, and uh, I'll go AC. I'll go the Ooh, opposite. I like, it. I like it. Hey, we'll we'll check back in at the yeah. end of the week. Of course, uh, we're we're hyped for it. It's going to be the soccer rolls on as always mm-hmm. on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Let's uh, let's recap some NWSL matches though. That's really why everybody joined us this morning. And let's talk about some uh, some undefeated teams uh, at the moment. We we want to kick things off because we kicked off the preview with this game. We're very excited about Washington Spirit versus San Diego Way. This was the game that was going to be on. Uh, network TV, it's CBS. We were like, hey, it's going to kick off week six. And we had some funds with, with our pig. We, we were going back and forth. We're like, who's it going to be? We remembered the last time these two teams were on CBS, and it was last September, and it ended in a wild scoreline, seven goals, 4-3 for the Spirit. When it came to the picks, we were split. I went with the Wave, you went with the Spirit, and they delivered for you, Lisa. 3-1, Washington Spirit. This game had everything. It was a Saturday afternoon thriller. Washington was hosting at Audi Field. It was sunny. The fans were out. The the stadium looked like it was packed. Um, And, I mean, the first half was a lot of Washington spirit, controlling a lot of the possession, getting their game plan on the road. And, And this is what I'm talking about in week six, where we're really starting to see all the pieces come together because Washington's goal scored by Rodman Sanchez and Paige Mateo, Alex Morgan gets one back at the end of the game for San Diego. But ultimately the the first goal that comes about for Washington um, is a complete team goal. It was so beautiful the way it happened. It's a long ball ultimately sent into hatch dropped back to Andy Sullivan. It goes through to Sanchez. Sanchez turns and she lived in that half space throughout the entirety of the first half, had so many opportunities, so many chances. Um, She plays a slip ball through to Rodman, and that was 10 minutes into the second half. So scoreless at the half, 0-0, despite a lot of good chances. I think from Washington Spirit, Kaylin Sheridan um, had some really good saves on shots, specifically from Ashley Sanchez and and Trinity Rodman. Um, But Sanchez was just living between the lines, taking up so much space, getting on the half turn, ripping shots with her left, her right, getting those opportunities, her confidence soaring. Um, And finally, she's awarded by that by getting a goal, the second goal for Washington um, on a Rodman assist. So the the Rodman-Sanchez duo for the first two goals, uh, electric, just so much fun to watch those players. I mean, Rodman, 
holy cow, this player yeah. is, is going places. I mean, she's already been a lot of places. Yeah. She broke records this weekend, and she is just going to continue to soar. Her her footwork in tight spaces has improved so much from her last two years in the NWSL. And because of that, her confidence has also improved greatly. So when she's in those tight spaces, she's not just looking to use her speed, her pace, her physicality to get past players. Instead, she's using her footwork and relying on her skill to get out of those tight situations with multiple defenders on her, which makes her that much more dangerous because she can do tight little footwork or she can just explode and get out of a a sticky situation. And we saw both from her. It's really impressive to watch Rodman and her evolution throughout being a professional these last three years. Yeah, we're recapping six weeks, essentially, of the regular season in NWSL and we can start to see those early contenders maybe for for individual standout performances I've been saying it for a few weeks now that Trinity Rodman for me is an early candidate for MVP in this league what she's bringing uh, week in and week out and you can just sort of see when she is in sicko mode uh, the awareness and presence of mind that she has you could just sort of see in her eyes uh, you know her soccer IQ just kind of working in real time um, everywhere, doing almost everything at times uh, for for this team. And I loved that, you know, it, it could get frustrating maybe sometimes if you're kind of in go-go-go mode and you're not getting that breakthrough. So the fact that it was, uh, you know, 0-0 zero, zero at, at halftime and, and maybe you didn't have anything to show for it at that, at that moment – to come back out and just continue to to get at it and not get frustrated. I think that shows a level of growth, you know, for for Sanchez, for Rodman as younger players in this league to continue to sort, sort of, you know, build up and get back at it. Sanchez with a couple of opportunities in this game um, and wasn't able to, to convert on them until about the 70th minute where she got a great service from Rodman. And then that was sort of the go ahead goal for for this team. Um and just good effort, just kind of a relentless work rate for for these uh, for for these two. And you, they're I think as individuals, you know, they bring a lot of important assets to the Washington Spirit. But watching them kind of grow up together on this team—that's a that's a good way to put it. Grow up together. Yeah, grow up together like on this team and continue to like go ahead and develop this 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 ongoing chemistry uh it's really special to to see and i thought just another one of these kind of uh another one of these dartboard games right it's another dartboard game where you could just sort of point at it and say there here's a game where trinity like the case and when we're making our mvp cases at the end of of the season it's like you're making this is one of those games that we're going to point to and say like remember the cbs game for the spirit and robin was just like ridiculous on on the pitch uh it was a fantastic match and it's it just the spirit they just absolutely made the wave just look a little clueless at times yeah. they had no response almost no ideas i mean if we were just looking at the numbers and boiling it down to that in this game 15 total shots mm-hmm. compared to four by san diego 10 on target for the spirit compared to three yeah. Um, they got a consolation goal from from Alex Morgan um, very late into the game, but at this point it's done and dusted. Um, but I think that's also very exciting too, as you're looking at the upper half of the table at this point. Um, that's something that we talked about on our preview: the fact that we were going to go into this week and probably see some special soccer because a lot of these teams, at least the ones in the upper half of the table, they have about a quarter of the season behind them already. So now 
they're going to continue to build and build and build and move moving forward. So when you get these matchups, like a spirit and San Diego, a third place team at the time versus a fourth place team at the time, it was exciting to sort of see kind of what was going to be presented by both pitch. And it, it not only did the spirit deliver and execute, kind of looked, <laughs> kind of made San Diego look a little bit like a head scratcher. Right. right. Like Aunt Alex Morgan was barely on the ball in this game. And Tara McKeown, who was a forward, a wing back for this Washington spirit side has been converted to a center back. And she did tremendous, tremendous against Alex Morgan. She didn't let her touch the ball. You're exactly right. San Diego looked a little silly. They looked a little lost in in the days almost of what was the Washington Spirit show because these players were stepping up all over the pitch for Washington. Um, I love the shout for Rodman as an MVP. You said it first here. I think it was like week two or week three. You were like, hey, take a, take a look at this player who everyone's been watching because there is so much that Rodman does. But um, – off the ball, I think her her defensive work doesn't get recognized as much as it should because she does so much defensive work. I would love to know her her tracker jacker stat pack at the end of a game. How many miles this player is running during a game because she is chasing the ball, putting intelligent pressure on the opposition to either win it back herself or force an errant pass for her team to win it back or just apply enough pressure that forces the opposition's back line to play a ball that they probably didn't want to play. If they had another touch or two, it would have been a better connection. And that all starts from Rodman. And then it's a trickle-down effect throughout the entire team. It is it is tremendous to watch Trinity Rodman play. And she ends up getting a goal and an assist in this one, and she breaks a record, Sandra. I love that. And that's the other thing, too, is like we're watching something in real time with this, uh, you know, with this particular game. But we're speaking specifically of this one one player in Rodman. And then when you had the conclusion of this game, final whistle goes and you're going through it and you're going through the numbers and you see that she's like making and smashing records mm -hmm. as she's putting together these performances. Right. So the youngest player in league history to reach 10 goals and 10 assists. And that's just sort of, that was just sort of the bar. I think at this point she's actually got 13 goals. Yeah. At this point. It was just a matter of getting the assists. Yes, yes, yeah. She's 20 it's years cool. old. This player is 20. Yeah, it, massive for for this type of player. She surpasses Sam Kerr in this yeah. role too. Yeah, and that's no and that's no that's not some nobody player. I mean, yes. that's Sam Kerr. That's we're talking about Sam Kerr, a player who also was in in the league at one point at a very young age in NWSL and essentially established all these records. And now we're getting to a point where the league is is in its 11th year and it's got these young players and mm -hmm. records are made to be broken, right? And so here's here's one from Rodman. Uh, and I would anticipate that she's got a few more of those in her. She might br break some more records uh, along the way of, of her uh, career here in NWSL. But uh, lovely game that we got treated to early on Saturday to kind of kick everything off uh, in, in week six. And, uh, and of course, that meant all these other matches had to try to deliver in some capacity. Let's talk a little bit about North Carolina Courage and Portland Thorns, because this was also a real treat. We had a 3-3 draw between these Ooh. two teams and i believe we went portland yeah one and you know what love to be incorrect because again we got treated to a 3-3 draw we got six goals in this one not not so much like a winner and a loser to talk about here so we're gonna 
obviously take the time to, to chat about both teams and their performances here. Maybe we start with the home side in this one and the courage. Maybe one of those teams where we're looking at as they enter this kind of second quarter, the second phase of the season, young team, new yeah. faces, new names, kind of feels like they're starting to put some things together, though. I agree. I think that North Carolina has has really come together. The first couple of games, uh, you can even go back. We, we said it on here on the show that it's, uh, North Carolina just didn't look like they had enough chemistry. They didn't have enough of the, the big-time players. They lost Diana Ordonez in the offseason, and that was a big loss. How are they going to score their goals, right? That was a big question besides just um, really good skill from someone like uh, a Caroline or a Guile who gets one past the opposition. How are they going to consistently find the back of the net and what was going to work for them? And I think the pressure – from this North Carolina side is one that's always going to work in their favor because they start the scoring in this game against Portland Thorns in the opening minute, in the opening minute, and they force an own goal. Ryan Williams back on the flank for North Carolina. It's back where she belongs. She she thrives in those wide areas of the pitch. Um, and she makes this dashing run down the, the field, and she sends a cross in that forces Emily Mengus, defender for Portland, to stick her leg out. The way the sun was positioned, it was like a little bit of a perfect storm for North Carolina. The way the sun was positioned, the deflection off Mengus, the, the opening minute of this game, and Bella Bixby just can't save this as it goes in towards the near post. And before you know it, it's one nothing North Carolina Courage, and the clock is about to hit one and a half minutes. Um, so that was like a heck of a start for North Carolina. And I knew from that opening, like two minutes, I was like, this game is going to be wild. I don't think I could have predicted three, three in the opening minute, but I knew that it was just going to be wild. Um, I think, I know we're talking about North Carolina a little bit, but Crystal Dunn, holy cow, two goals on the game, two goals on the day for Portland Thorns. um, And just really, really, it, the composure from Dunn, her ability to be all over the pitch, her her ability in really tight spaces, and maybe not the perfect pass is given to her, but she's still able to collect, create, and and get something from it because uh, she gets the second goal. So now it's one one in the twenty second minute um, after. Crystal Dunn gets a goal on a Sophia Smith assist, and and we've seen that goal before. Smith takes it end line, crosses it back to the top of the six, and there's Dunn. I think they did that in week five as well. So a little bit of a carbon copy. They're practicing that maybe? I don't know. Who who knows? I mean, look, three goals in, in the first half of this game, and I think you can go back on my Twitter, and I saw that, and I said, this is going to be another 3-3 draw. Yeah. And sure enough, they come these both these teams come out into the second half and deliver once more. And it's it's Crystal Dunn who you're alluding to to kind of get that second half going for Portland Thorns. Look, it's early, right? But this is when we can get to get to have this kind of fun when we make these sort of early predictions on on not just matches but p- performances in general. And I think if we're um, trying to have fun and, and chat about players who can compete for some of these individual awards at the end of the season. If we're talking about Trinity Rodman and MVP, I think you include a couple Portland Thorn players mm-hmm. in that equation as well, whether it's been uh, Sophia Smith or at this point, Crystal Dunn and doing it all in a position that we love to see her in as a midfielder delivering yeah. for Portland Thorns in this. I think, look, you look at the big score line like that and you maybe think, Hey, 
you know, what's going on with, with Portland defense. You know, we were just talking about uh, Bella Bixby, um, you know, celebrating a historic milestone and most, you know, quickest to the most clean, clean sheets. Uh, and now they're conceding some goals, <laughs> some heavy goals and some heavy score lines like this. You know, this is another 3-3 draw that this team uh, found themselves in the middle of. They might say, let's let's check out some of the X's and O's in terms of this back line. Maybe one of those big things is the fact that they don't have Becky Sauerbrunn available at, at this moment. Right. Um, kind of navigating some some injury. But uh, it's it's providing some exciting uh, chaotic games. I think if you're the neutral fan um, and some really kind of cool <laughs> moments, I think we're talking about Crystal Dunn, but. I mean, Victoria Pickett just traded okay. to this North Carolina curve side. I mean, maybe that's going to be an underrated kind of midseason move, depending on how things pan out here for the courage. But it's looking like it's a great pickup already. Yeah. Love this goal by Pickett, but I also love the movement and the assist from Olivia Wingate, one of their first round draft picks. You love to see it. We'll absolutely have to have a check in with the rookie class as well as a few more weeks go by because some of these players in their first year are absolutely stepping up in areas where their teams needed to be. And it looks like a win gate is a bit of a problem for oppositions right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and Victoria Pickett getting uh, this, like getting minutes in this game after being traded from Gotham. And that was a bit of a, a question mark as to why that was happening. But you and I both agreed, this is massive pickup for North Carolina and Pickett delivering in this first game that she plays with them, getting a goal, um, getting what would be at that time, I think it was 3-2 then for, for Pickett um, before Olivia Moultrie comes back. And and that's the thing about this game. It uh. was really, really good soccer. The, I mean, the goals were incredible. Besides, I'm going to say maybe besides the first one, just because it was a bit of a fluke and a known goal. But like, other than that, really fantastic goals. The, the second goal from Dunn is a really good team goal. Um, Klingenberg does so much work and, and she can continues her run. It's like a little ping pong ball passing around um, the picket goal, as you just mentioned uh, on the assist from Olivia Wingate for North Carolina. And then Olivia Moultrie, the young player getting just a worldie of a goal, um, multiple defenders surrounding her. She still gets the shot off uh, left foot. It was dipping into the goal. Really, really good stuff. But the football in this game, the possession battle, Sandra, we, we drop stats on here occasionally, but North Carolina and Portland Thorns were the, are the top two teams with the most possession in the NWSL at the end of this 90 minute game, three, three score line. So lots of goals, quick movement, the passing were six passes off from each other. North Carolina had 433 wow. passes, Portland, 427 passes. If you have time this week to go back and rewatch this game, I highly encourage it. Paramount plus go check it out because this was such a good game. It was such a good game. They're on demand. Go ahead. Check them out. Or you can catch highlights if you don't have a full 90 minutes on you. And you can catch them on attacking third, just so you know. But that's just two games that we've recapped for this first segment. We've got four more to get through. So let's keep moving, but stick with us after a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get through a couple other games here and maybe recall some picks that we made in this one. Orlando Pride versus Racing Louisville. Winner, winner for the Pride. That's called a streak. A 1-0 win against Racing Louisville. That's Orlando's second win now. In this season, uh, Racing Louisville, so some question marks going on around this one, but no question about the picks here. Lisa, you went with the pride in this one. I had this one as a draw. Racing Louisville could come through for me. What's up with that? But <laughs> let's talk about the winners of the Purple Super Bowl here. It's going to the pride. Yeah. Uh, Messiah Bright. We were just talking about Olivia Wingate, and now we get to talk about another rookie delivering some good performances for her team in a debut year. The rookie doing a lot of good stuff, both on and off the ball, rewarded with the game-winning goal in this one. Love to see it. Yeah, really impressive stuff from Messiah Bright. Um this player as as a rookie in this league and on a team that occupied the bottom of the table for a long time in these first yeah. 6 weeks um still was able to uh, implement her own game and find her own style in the NWSL because now Orlando at 10th in the standings and we'll, we'll get to standings at the end of the episode but I want to look at Messiah Bright a, a little bit in depth here because if anyone hasn't had a chance to watch her yet, the the rookie forward for Orlando Pride, um, she's got a lot of skill. She has a lot of skill. And Seb Hines and Orlando are finding her in the right positions to capitalize on that skill and really have her lean into what she is so good at doing. And the best part is she's good at a variety of different things. And she's a bigger player. She's tall. She's got great stature and she's strong. So we see her a lot of times for Orlando dropping back into the midfield, bodying up against defenders. And she did this so well in this match against Racing Louisville receiving the ball at Bright's feet, playing it back into the midfield, spinning out, but doing a really good job of holding up the play. She's not just a back shoulder forward, meaning she just sits on the back line um, of the opposition and looks to get in behind. She, she can check into the midfield and body up. However, she can also sit on the back line. She's got great pace. And if you feed her a, a through ball, she's going to get on the end of it, body off the defenders. That's the thing. She's got this great mix of power, um, physical built, but also pace on her, it, just physically looking at her, right? And that's the fact that a lot of players have that, but the fact that she's able to utilize them in the right times during games is something that we don't usually see from rookies in this league because it is such a physical league in the NWSL. Messiah Bright has leaned into that. So she gets this opening goal for Orlando in the, the 21st minute, it's a beautiful header goal. She rises above, redirects it on goal. Um, uh, it was it comes off a set piece, a corner kick for Orlando that gets half cleared by Racing Louisville. Strom sends it back in, um, and, and Messiah Bright puts it on goal. Tough for Katie Lund, the Racing Louisville goalkeeper. I think she she thinks she should have had that one. Um, but it 
Orlando did a great job with the high press. And, and that also stems from a player like Messiah Bright in the front line who's putting the pressure on doing off-ball work and, and trying to win the ball back for the Pride. Yeah, you know, I think you, we're looking at uh, Orlando Pride on the second consecutive win here. And again, you look for those little things to kind of build upon. And ha- having two wins in a row is is the big part of that thing. But the smaller, more intricate side of things are these kind of individual performances that you're looking at when you're putting together these starting 11s, right? Seb Hines, first year as actual head coach, not interim anymore, and getting a chance to build with this team as well over the course of a full regular season. We've seen some rotation at the goalkeeping position. They want to try to make sure they have the right answers there. But they're all they've also like reintegrated players who have, you know, worked their way back into form a little bit, kind of off of these extended injuries. We're looking at Marta getting some really good looks on goal in this game, uh, whether it was from set pieces or directly in the run of play. Um, Viviana Villacorta, again, another player that we're excited yeah. to see back in the mix for the pride has really come off. I think of a, a couple now really strong performances in the midfield alongside Clough with, uh, with, with this Orlando pride team. So good, good things here. And I think when we're looking at, at this game, I think maybe there might be folks who are also like, yeah, well you've got two bottom table teams going against each other. So maybe it's just a matter of those two types of teams going at it and kind of trying to desperately put together a performance to get, get the points. And you know what? That's also fine because Orlando pride is stealing all three of those. And I think when you're looking at the racing Louisville side of things, I mean, obviously there's going to be disappointment in the fact that you just, you dropped the points and you dropped the game. Uh, but especially in the sense where it was mostly even, I think when you're looking in terms of, of the numbers in their head to head with the total shot, 16 to 17 in favor of Louisville, even on attempts on target with seven between these two sides, uh, you know, so just looking at those kind of things, even with possession, just not super significant one way or the other. Um, so I think if you're Louisville, you're just like, well, maybe this was a missed opportunity here for sure. Yeah. And, and no Savannah DeMello, I think that really played a factor into the midfield for racing Louisville. It's sometimes you don't know how much a player is actually keeping the glue together and the, and the wheels on the wagon until they're not there anymore. And I think that's maybe what Louisville saw this weekend because they didn't have Savannah DeMello coming off two yellows and a red in, in week five game for Louisville. Uh, so not available. And I think that really hurt them. They could not connect in the midfield. They couldn't string passes together despite having really good players. I think uh, Wong had a great game. Uh, Wong Swang had a really good game for racing Louisville, but perhaps it would have been a, a different matchup. I'm excited for the second matchup between these two teams. When DeMello is there, when um, Orlando continues this, this streaking run that they're going on. Yeah, no, we'll see uh, what these two teams sort of build upon out of this game going into their week seven fixtures. But it bumps up Orlando to 10th, slots down Louisville to 11th. Again, people are looking at at that and it's kind of like, "Mm, we'll see where these two go from here. But there's a new number one. Let's talk about it. OL Reign versus Houston Dash. Winners 2-0 in this one against the Dash. And also that means they jump up to number one with Portland Thorns and their draw. It gave a little bit of cushion. It gave a little bit of opportunity. And All Rain went ahead and took advantage of that. And this one, I was looking for a response from the Dash. I've had them picked in our preview. Uh, you went Rain in, in this one, I uh-huh. believe. And they delivered on that Jordan Heidema pretty relentless engine here. 
had a really good opportunity, really cool looking goal in the early phase of the first half ruled off uh, because VAR said that there was enough there uh, with a handball. And unfortunately we were all denied that, not just, (laughs) not just Jordan in this one, but uh, talk about having a short memory. You got to like leave that behind you. And eventually uh, this one ends out to zero with Heidemann getting on the board as well. Yeah, I think that this game was um, it was very entertaining. Um, I, I'm going to correct myself. I actually had this one pegged as a draw oh, right. into O.L. Reign in this game. I'm just trying to you know, keep it honest here at attacking third. Um, but yeah, this opening goal coming and not until the second half, but a lot of really good options and opportunities, especially from Haitama in the first half, uh, opening 13 minutes, as you just said, it's called back. Um, a lot of people upset. Laura Harvey looked pretty upset about that one and and didn't think it was going to be that type of call. But ultimately, um, as this game continued to develop and, and O.L. Reign really grew into the game, second half, 53rd minute, uh, Megan Rapino and Jess Fishlock were giddy playing. I'm going to, I'm going to say they just looked like they were having a blast, just having a blast. And that's, I think we saw that a lot from O.L. Reign towards the end of last year. Um, and we're already seeing it six weeks into this year. I think it's going to be a really good year for O.L. Reign because Fishlock and Rapino having so much fun. They're dancing on the sidelines. They're they're baiting and switching with the defenders, drawing them in, pulling them out. And that's how O.L. Reign gets their opening goal. Rapino from the left side, she curls the ball in with her right foot, finds Veronica Latsko in the 53rd minute. Uh, but Balser, Heitzema, Latsko, they were all in the mix ready for this ball to come. But it, it lands to Latsko, who capitalizes on it and gets the opening goal. Um, and then just over 15 minutes later, about uh, Jordan Heitzema gets her goal finally, because there's a moment in there where she gets a diving header. It goes off the post. She had the first goal called back in the opening 13 minutes, Jordan Heitzema knocking on the door, pounding on the door. And ultimately the door falls down in the 68th minute and Jordan Heitzema gets the second for OL rain in, in this two no win over the dash. Uh, Veronica Lasko. I yeah. mean, I think just another example for OL rain, we're looking at this team and the depth that Laura Harvey has at her disposal. I think, again, we're talking about dartboard games. This is a game that you look at maybe as the, as the regular season is rearing its end and you say games that the bench essentially came out here and won Veronica Lasko having this type of performance where she absolutely puts her stamp on a game and the team comes out with all three points, this is going to be one of those games. So while Lasko might not be this player that typically finds herself in a starting role with the rain did in this match and then delivered. I think when we're looking at the other side of this one, we got to chat a little bit about Houston dash. They've absolutely cooled off uh, as they have gone through that first quarter of the season. And now go looking ahead into this second uh, quarter of the season and the stretch in front of them. Uh, not to not not out to that hot start that we initially saw. I think we saw some promising things. Uh, I liked some of the good link up that we saw with with Maria Sanchez. I think there was a good sequence there where she eventually uh, you know outworked Huerta and then was able to feed the ball back into to Salmon. But unfortunately, the shot just just wasn't exactly on, on target. Uh, so a couple good moments, but I just I think this was the game that I was looking for in terms of making the pick with the dash. I wanted to see the response. I think I. Yeah. 
wanted to see, you know, that head coaching battle a little bit. You know, the Laura Harvey coaching tree consists of, of Sam Lady now, who's in, um, you know, that branched out into Houston Dash. So I don't, I'm unclear, I think, if it's, uh, you know, if maybe the Dash or Sam Lady is trying to have the Dash too, too much, or they're still about um, trying to figure out and get that chemistry established uh, b- between them. Um, but there looks like there's a little bit of a disconnect at times. So while there maybe are some good, you know, 10, 15 minute stretches for the team, other times they sometimes struggle to kind of like retain, you know, that, uh, that tempo. So, um, just couldn't really find one in the back of the net in this one. And maybe sometimes that helps change some things. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think they want to maybe try something else out and try to stick with that moving forward. I think what we're looking at now are teams who have like presented their identities moving forward and like bought into what they are going to present moving forward. And then there are some teams who have still tried to try some things out and really haven't quite nailed that down. And I'm, it's looking like the Dash are kind of falling in that category a little bit right now. So this result kind of pushes them out of that upper half of the table, uh, whereas with Lowell Rain, it propels them to the top. So we've got two more teams to talk about and see where the rest of the standings are shaking out. We'll talk about our predictions. We'll talk about those performances. Stick with us after a quick break. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, we've got two more games to get through here. Talk about our picks, talk about some performances. Let's start with Chicago Red Stars versus Gotham FC. Let me just say it. Lynn Williams' show is the best ticket in town. If you get a chance to see it, get your tickets and go. 2-1, Gotham FC, winner winners in this one. Kind of looked like a tale of two halves, though. Yeah. If, uh, if I'm being honest in this one, Lisa, I got to take it in person, uh, headed out to the village of Bridgeview and uh, took in a game at SeatGeek Stadium. And uh, I did part of, look, I'm not going to front here. I know where I'm from. <laughs> I let the people know where I'm from. But I wanted to go to this game to see Lynn Williams live and in action and in person. And, uh, yeah, she absolutely delivered uh, in this one Kind of choppy though. I'm not gonna lie. There were straight. There were some phases of this game where uh, it just kind of looked. It just there was like a stoppage. It felt like every 10 to 12 minutes <laughs> at some time. Um, I think maybe some yellows earlier in the game might have might have helped to uh, help that out a little bit. We didn't see that, uh, but players are only gonna play with you know how the game is going to them and how they're kind of going through things, but. I think in that first half, 
you have a Gotham FC side that is absolutely taking advantage of the Red Stars, you know, lack of approach essentially in this first half of the game. So it took about 45 minutes for the Red Stars to kind of say, okay, we're in this game as well, because it took all but five minutes for Gotham to get the goal scoring in this game. Jenna Neischwanger with the opening goal in this one. And I have witnesses in the press box. Uh, for people who don't know, that South goal in SeatGeek Stadium is very horrendous in terms of the angles of the sunlight and everything. And Taylor Smith, I said in mere seconds before, I was like, Alyssa Nair can't see a single thing. You yeah. should probably just whip in the ball and see what happens. And lo and behold, Taylor Smith whips this ball in. Jenna Neiswager continuing the run, gets the goal in, and now Chicago find themselves having to play from behind very, very early in this game and uh, almost nearly got out of the half. But Lynn Williams had other ideas of – Poor turno- turnover, essentially. Sinead Farley delivers, and then 2-0 before the half. Yeah, first five minutes of the half and last five minutes of the half is when Gotham cop- capitalized because that that opening goal on the assist from Taylor Smith uh, to Jenna Knightswanger came in the opening five minutes, and then in the stoppage time at the end, Lynn Williams picks up the second goal for Gotham. Um, I, I want to take a step back, though, because starting lineups drop for this game, Sandra, and for Gotham – we finally get to see Jenna Nightswanger in the midfield. Yeah. <laughs> this is where this player has played in her career. Yay. We're I, got, so- I got so many, I got treated to so many great things in this game. <laughs> um, and this is a rookie for, for Jenna Nightswanger out of FSU that has played in a variety of different positions. And she is so good on both sides of the ball, with the ball, attacking, finding those seams, but also off the ball. Defensively, she's, she's a really good defender. And so when, Gotham drafted her fourth overall in the NWSL draft this year, and we get to see her start in the back line for Gotham. That's where she makes her debut in the NWSL. She was a center back. She was an outside back, and she played very well. She did a great job defensively. Um, She still was able to split lines with her passes and, and move the ball up the field, but that's not where she thrives. She's better in the midfield as an eight or a 10. Um, you can even throw her in as a six, but that's not likely going to happen. Um, that's where she plays. The fact that Nightswanger is a rookie and is this Swiss Army knife for Gotham is so impressive. She gets her first start in the midfield for Juan Carlos Amaros and this Gotham side, and in the opening five minutes scores a goal. So I wonder if he's going to be thinking about that moving forward when, hey, we can use her across the back line, but if we put her higher up the field, she's going to be part of goal contributions right to start this game. Um, But, yeah, I think that – when looking at kind of the first half to the second half, it is a bit of tale of two halves. And the Lynn Williams goal, tremendous, right? As soon as she receives the ball, it's it's Lynn Williams' energy and, and magic that happens. But the goal only comes about on mistakes from Chicago, right? That's how it happens. They, they have a missed pass and they give it away. And in one pass, Gotham has gone from – really two passes have gone from defending to having the ball in the midfield to – giving the ball to Lynn Williams at the top of the 18. 
in three passes, that is what happened. Uh, the efficiency from Gotham was tremendous. And Williams receives the ball at the top of the box, and Tierna Davidson is defending her by giving her three yards of space at the top of the 18. You just can't do that against most players in this league, especially a Lynn Williams, because give her an inch and, and she'll take a yard, and before you know it, the ball's in the back of the net. So that was poor on my on, on Chicago's part, right? Giving it away and then not immediately trying to win a bat, stepping to it. Tierna Davidson, yes, she was alone. She didn't have a lot of coverage, but um, you know Lynn Williams is fast, so you just have to defend her a, a little bit smarter in that type of position. And and then it's two nothing at half. Yeah, no, it was it was a good it was a good goal and uh I think a good example of the trouble your team will be in. Mm-hmm. if your entire uh, midfield is gutted in an offseason. So that's essentially what we're watching, I think, week to week here uh, with with Chicago. It was We're talking about starting lineups. I, for me, I was also excited to get to see uh, Yula Bianchi get a start alongside Yuki Nagasato in the midfield. Curry Ricardo unavailable in this game um, was listed as questionable for this game with, uh, I think, it was listed as head uh, injury. But uh, when the lineups came out, for the starting 11 and the bench not even available on the bench. So I don't know how we go from questionable to just saying like not available at all, but that's what happened. Uh, And so we got to, I think when you have so many injuries uh, at this point, you are just sort of trying to put it together a starting 11 and that kind of like, that kind of essentially paved the way I think to see Bianchi get a start uh, in the regular season alongside Nagasato. And look, it's evident uh, that there were midfielders who had never played together before ever in their careers. And I think it showed in this game. I think that goal uh, in particular, that giveaway, yes, is, is on, uh, you know, the, I think it was Malazzo with, with the errant pass, but um the positioning at this point to just allow these uh, kind of turnovers to, to happen. I think it was, it's again, it was a very, like if you ever want an example of like what it's going to look like, if you have a tough off season and how that's going to reflect in your regular season, I think you're looking at it week to week with Chicago. I think it's kind of easy to just sort of say, wow, look at these score lines. The defense is bad. And my counter argument to that is that there's not a lot, there's not a ton of that in, which it's entirely true. I mean, you have to look a little bit in terms of maybe tactics, personnel available. And I think I gave an example at halftime in terms of possessions that were won in the final third. It was two for Chicago compared to eight by Gotham. And for me, that's not necessarily a defender issue. That's kind of a, a bigger issue at hand here. I think when you're looking into what's going on on the fit on the field and then going into halftime and you're thinking, well, maybe if you get in a halftime one zero, you make those adjustments. Um, and a little disappointing really to kind of hear in the post game, Petroselli said that they actually didn't speak about tactics at yeah. halftime. And that was a head scratcher for me as the media in the, in the post game. Um, but I think it was more an emphasis on the efforts out there. Uh, because I th- it just sort of looked like maybe they also got off to a slow start. So, so maybe it was just like, hey, we have to pick up the energy. Okay. That was my question. Yeah. Like, if you're not talking about tactics, what are you talking about? Question mark. More questions for for uh, for the, the franchise, I guess. I don't know. I think I can't help but, but think, like, you know, I th- we look at Racing Louisville, right, who are going in through similar stretches of not – picking up wins or getting those types of results. Now you've got a Chicago Red Stars team that not only got gutted in the midfield in the offseason, and now they also lost their their star striker in, in Mal Pugh. And you look at, like, uh, 
just today, before we went live, Lisa, there's a bunch of MLS coaches that are getting sacked right yeah. now. And you're just kind of looking at them just like, man, you have to wonder if like the if you're looking at Louisville and their record and their tactics, if you're looking at Chicago and their record and their tactics, if this is a different league, this is a different conversation. But uh, I think there's a lot of unknown variables there right now, I think, for Chicago that are maybe that they're trying to work through essentially on the pitch. But I think having the players that you have, because there's a good chunk of them that are still veteran players, can come out there into a second half and all of a sudden switch it and make it a game. And all of a sudden Gotham sort of was defending Chicago for nearly an entire 45 minutes for the second half. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think this this Chicago side, they have a little bit of – they've had time, right, to figure this out. They're ups and they're downs. Um, and, yes, it's not just like, okay, you you let in two goals. Like, it's so much more than that about, about coming together and, and ultimately getting a goal, right, in this game that they get one um, before the 55th minute from Ella Stevens. But there's still a lot of question marks about how they're going to consistently string together games um, with their three back, with a four back. What's going to happen there tactically? Um, it's not just, hey, rally, rally, let's go and get out there and get a win. I think good for Gotham in that they were able to sustain that essentially, you know, uh, I don't know if I have an Juan Carlos Alvaro's opinion quite yet. I don't think seeing uh, Gotham FC live and in person gave, still gave me more concrete answers around Amaros and his tactics and how he's trying to navigate that team move, moving forward. I just think Gotham did a good job of bringing in new pieces and good pieces for this team. And I think having the return of Ali Long is incredibly helpful for this team as well. And those are just good players who are, you know, ensuring that they're picking up the results where they need to get them, including this one on the road against Chicago. One more to close out this episode. We got to talk about Angel City versus Kansas City. And Lisa, I need to hear all about it from you because you were part of the local call in this one, and that's exciting. What, yeah. what went wrong for Kansas City, in your opinion, in this game? Uh, this this one was tough. I mean, it ends up being a great game, 3-2 at the end of it, five goals throughout this one, but it was 3-0 at halftime. Angel City got on the board, and, and then there was no looking back from them. Um, this was a Kansas City team that was coming off of three straight wins under their new interim head coach, Caroline Quablum, and coming into this game, Angel City had been scoring goals but not winning. Across three regular season games, they were winless, yet they put in five goals. So it, it was more a question of Angel City's defense at this point. And again, I mean, I think if you're Angel City looking at this game, yes, you got three on the board, but then you conceded two in the second half. So there are still some pieces that are trying to come together on, on this Angel City side. Um, if you're a neutral and you're watching Angel City, you're just excited because you get to see Alyssa Thompson, the 18-year-old number one draft pick, just have baller game after baller game. And you usually see an exciting high scoring match for these two. Um, looking at Kansas City and, and their game plan and their tactics coming out for this game, they had a high press on Angel City. They wanted to pick and choose their moments to press and put them, put Angel City under pressure. And they did that. I think the opening 15 minutes of this game, that's really um, what. Kansas City did so well against this Angel City side. But then as the minutes went on throughout this game, Angel City found a little bit more of their rhythm. I mean, the opening goal coming from Melissa Thompson was a no-look goal that had a double doink off the post. Like, it was the it was a golazo, an unbelievable goal. 
Uh, one of, first of the kind that we have seen from this type of player. We've seen her score incredible goals, but this one, a no-look goal. I feel like we could have started the episode with this game. Field? I feel like I feel like we could have started the episode off with this game and just talk about Alyssa Thompson for 45 to 50 minutes on this episode just alone with this. Uh, the the presence of mind, the awareness at that moment to just say, I'm gonna chip the keeper at a the most ridiculous angle. She was facing upfield. That's that's the thing. She cuts end line and then she it's, turns around and dribbles back. Uh, it literally towards her own goal at, at the other 18 and then gets her hips around the ball, looks towards the sideline and chips yeah. it in. And you just watch Cassie Miller just sort of see this ball kind of rainbow over her and go off the post. And unfortunately the post doesn't always say the keeper. Sometimes it helps out the the striker. And in this case, it's uh, it's Alyssa Thompson, but it's incredible what we're witnessing, right. From, from this 18 year old high schooler at this point um, for, for Angel City and in, in her rookie season, I think, look, there were a lot of questions around m making the moves that they made to leap into the number one spot to try to collect uh, the, as many assets as possible. And Angel City spent a bit to make sure that they got there. And now they got Alyssa Thompson and it's looking, she's making them look like geniuses, yeah. you know, for going ahead and, and, and rolling the dice on a young player uh, making the leap to go pro and while a lot of the recap we talked about this being week six a lot of teams looking in front of them for this second quarter of the season you have to include Angel City I think in that conversation of teams who are looking to build on some of these performances coming off of a wild 3-3 draw now a 3-2 win against Kansas City a team that had a lot of momentum going in to Los Angeles and hanging on essentially for a win. It was a little nervy there to come out of the second half to concede and allow Kansas City Current to get back into it and make a game of it. But uh, to kind of finally have a 90-minute game where they were able to put things together and look back and say, we did enough to get these three points. Let's make sure we keep keep doing that moving forward. Um, Alyssa Thompson. Yeah, I mean, Alyssa Thompson for sure offensively. But but Angel City defensively, they just concede a lot of goals. They've got 12 goals against yeah. this year. And uh, although they're putting up 11, it's still like if imagine if they could keep score lines to just one goal against them. How how much different games would be for them? Because yes, they they end up getting all three goals uh, in this game in the first half, which is pretty impressive. So Thompson opens the scoring in the 31st minute, then Claire Emsley gets one on a cross in the 43rd minute, and at this point, Kansas City is just like, okay, we've got a handful of minutes left, probably five minutes left in this game with plus little stoppage time. Let's just hold out. We can, we can go into the locker room at 2-0, um, have a conversation, talk about where the shaky parts are, what we can do better. And June Endo, in the final minute of stoppage time in the first half, just finds the back of the net for Angel City. And now Kansas City is, is digging themselves out of a 3-0 goal hole. And there's a lot of teams that probably would have put their heads down and said, this is just a little rough. We'll, we'll get back into it with one and then we'll go from there. But I think the mindset of this Kansas city side under Caroline Quablam is a little bit more. Um, it, it, 
they all, it's not as much of like, Hey, we can do this. We're, we're a blue collar team. We've got this. It's a little bit more like understanding of the game and understanding the tactics of what your opposition is giving you. And then what Kansas city has on the pitch and how they're able to do that. Because you look at the second half and CC Kaiser just occupying so different spaces than she was in the first half and, and finding those seams and getting on the ball. CC Kaiser is very impressive to watch for this Kansas city side, but the way that the second half goes for Kansas City, they get back into it on, on Izzy Rodriguez in the 57th minute. Heck of a, a first NWSL goal for the young player because second year in the league, second year with Kansas City, and she has a rocket of a shot with her left foot from uh, the top of the 18-yard box, and it finds the back of the net. And then just a few minutes later, CeCe Kaiser gets the second goal for Kansas city, but, but that would be it um, on the efforts from Kansas city, not without a, a lot of trying though, because they were looking to get back into it and they made it seem very possible. That's what I mean. Like the games this weekend were really good and really exciting. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Delightfully delicious for all the games. I mean, I, this was another game where I was just like really impressed with, with the rookie class. I mean, obviously we're talking a lot about, you know, Alyssa Thompson. And I mean, if we're talking about MVP chatter, why not talk about rookie of the year chatter Thompson? I think maybe the front runner in this, but again, I, I love, I love the performance and effort by Michelle Cooper uh, with, with Kansas city current. And I mean, we're looking at Robinson as well, having to slot into that back line for Kansas city has had another really good game. Um, but so, yeah, this was another one, I think outside of Orlando and, um, North Carolina and now this game where again looking at the rookie classes and, and the players who are having an impact and a role in this one and they will continue to do so because it's a long season we're just in week six we've got several more games to go uh, the standings have shifted congratulations to OL Rain in first place at the moment with 13 points Portland Thorns bumped to number two with 12 points Spirit number three Gotham FC at number four, San Diego Wave at number five, and Angel City have leapt up into sixth place for the playoff picture, the very early playoff picture, let's just say, in NWSL. Number seven, North Carolina Courage, Houston Dash fall to eight, Kansas City current in ninth, Orlando Pride jump up to 10th, Racing Louisville at 11, and Chicago Red Stars hanging out in last place at number 12. We'll continue to keep an eye on the standings and we'll continue to be here for you with uh, recaps and previews and everything else. That's a wrap for us at eight three. Thanks everybody for listening to attacking third this morning, download, follow, listen to us anywhere. You get your podcast, you can watch us on YouTube, subscribe so that you get alerts so that you don't miss out when we go live youtube.com slash attacking third. Lisa and I will be back with even more content for you all this week. So stay tuned for Sandra Rita and Lisa Roman. This was attacking third. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.